Our scripture reading comes from the book of Genesis, as you may expect. Chapter 25, just two verses, 27 through 28. When the boys grew up, Esau was a skillful hunter, a man of the field, while Jacob was a quiet man living in tents. Isaac loved Esau because he was fond of game, but... Rebecca loved Jacob. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Two verses. That's all it takes. Two verses, and you know that this family, they had some drama, right? If we heard this line from a parent, I know I have two kids, but this is the one I love because... We would cut them off there and say, listen, we need to talk later. Come to my office. This family, two parents, Isaac the father, Rebecca the mother. There are the two children, Esau the hunter, a man of the field. Jacob, a quiet man who spent his time inside. Esau is one parent's favorite, Jacob the other. But, hey, so what, right? What's family without some tension? I mean, we all have favorites. Her favorite color is teal. Yours is green. His is blue. Some people are particular and have a favorite color palette. For instance, buttercup yellow, coral, and sage green, although I won't name names. (laughs) Favorite football means you have to be careful what cap you wear. Go big orange, roll tide, war eagle, go tigers. I apologize for any omissions. Those are just examples, not cheers. You've got your favorite. I've got mine. Sometimes it means families watch certain games on different TVs because it might get ugly. We learn each other's favorite dessert, chocolate cake, blackberry pie, ice cream, brownies, ice cream on brownies. Chances are you have a favorite shirt, a pair of pants that fit just right, maybe a favorite pair of shoes. Favorites are just a part of life, a favorite music, TV show. What's the big deal? Esau is his dad's favorite. Jacob is his mother's favorite. What's the big deal? Isaac likes to hunt, so... His favorite is the son who likes to hunt too. Esau is always working out. He goes hunting. He comes back with food, makes the family a roast. He's strong. You mess with him. Esau will mess you up. Esau is his dad's favorite. They get each other. Dad loves Esau. Rebecca isn't a fan of hunting. She doesn't like the smell of dead animals or being covered in animal parts. If she had a choice, Rebecca would not spend her day under the pounding sun hunting. She'd be in a tent working in the shade. So her favorite is Jacob. What's the big deal? The big deal is this. You may not know if you're someone's favorite. You may not have even noticed, but you will notice if you're not. If someone is heaping blessings and praise and love and attention and gifts on you, what are you going to do? Ask them to stop? No, you're not going to be collecting receipts to make sure that they're giving the same to the other siblings or friends or whatever. Why would you? But if you're the other one, if you're the one watching that parade of presence and praise, you'll notice. You'll notice as you're waiting to get some of that, waiting for your parents to notice that you get good grades too, that your life turned out okay, that you could use some help. You see your cousin open grandma's card for Christmas, a crisp $20 bill. You open yours, crumpled up five. When you're that one, you notice. You know who the favorite is. 
Favorites is one thing. Your favorite restaurant is Kim San. Your wife hates it. Hey, no problem. Drag the kids to Kim San the next time she's out of town. You love, so you think you can dance. No one else can stand it. Fine. Record it. Watch it later. But if your favorite is a person, that's a different can of worms. Let's take a poll. Who thinks that Jacob knows he's not his dad's favorite? Seriously, right? He knows. He knows because when you're not the favorite, you know. Maybe you've been there. Maybe you know. And if you do, I'll bet you can tell me how you know. I'll bet you can list the examples that prove your case, that you can detail them. There's a chance it's a list that you've rehearsed a time or two. Favorite neighbor, favorite child, favorite friend, favorite uh, whatever. Kim San is one thing. The other restaurants, they won't take it personally. But when we're talking about people, it's personal. So what are Isaac and Rebecca supposed to do? They each have a child they just get. Their interests line up, but if you've got your Bible open, take a look. It doesn't say, Isaac enjoyed hunting with Esau because he was fond of hunting. It says, Isaac loved Esau, but Rebecca loved Jacob. They just chose favorites, and they let it decide who they will love. Now, if you've never been in this situation, or if you are the favorite, you may still be thinking, what's the big deal? Sure, it's not fair, but life's not fair. That's just how it goes. And life isn't fair, and I want to come back to that. But the deal is, until you're not the favorite, you just don't know. If you flip forward in your Bible 12 chapters in 20 years, you'll see that Jacob has become his parents. And he has also chosen a favorite, his son Joseph. And let me tell you what happens. First, when his brothers see, because you can see, that their father father loved Joseph more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. And then Joseph gets this dream from God about how he's going to be a big shot, and it's the spark that sets off an emotional bomb that's been building since Joseph was born. So Joseph's brothers do what any brothers would do. They throw him into a well and sell him into slavery. (laughs) Favorites. Joseph, he's oblivious. He actually tells his brothers that they will bow down to him. His brothers, they notice, and they come to hate him. Maybe that's part of why the Bible comes down so hard on choosing favorites. And it gets specific. In James, it says, If you really keep the royal law found in Scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you're doing right. But if you show favoritism, any favoritism, you sin. Nice and blunt. If you have favorites, you're sinning. Now, James has something specific in mind, and he goes on to tell one of those hypothetical stories that's so specific, you know that that definitely happened. And he talks about when rich people walk into church, everyone is scooting over, ooh, 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 sit by me, and then whispering around, we're very close, third cousins on my aunt's husband's side, you understand how it is. But when poor people walk in, everyone spreads their stuff so the pew looks full and then says, hey, there's room on the floor, sit wherever, just, you know, don't get things dirty. Favorites. James will chew you out up one side and down the other in a heartbeat if he catches you choosing favorites because someone has it going on. Because if you're the favorite, you feel weird. And if you're not, you know it. And you feel terrible. 
If you lean the other direction, if you judge in the other direction, don't worry. Leviticus 19 has you covered, where it tells us, You shall not render an unjust judgment. You shall not be partial to the poor or defer to the great. With justice, you shall judge your neighbor. You can't have favorites based on what they have or don't have, the success they found or lacked. It's like this. You wouldn't believe the number of people who visit a church and never come back because they could tell that everyone already had their favorites and no one had any interest in a new face. If you're already one of the favored ones, you might not notice. So what, right? We just miss them this Sunday. But if you're the guest wondering if you're invisible, you'll notice and you won't come back. Favorites. There's this youth group that does an annual mission trip each summer, and they take about 95 kids. And on the last night, they have this tradition. Every senior takes a seat in a chair with a tub of water at their feet, and the adult leaders and the other youth come forward and wash their feet and tell them how they've been impactful over the years, which is this powerful tradition to watch. But you'll see something happen. A handful of those seniors will have this line snaking backwards, people chit-chatting as they patiently wait their turn to say goodbye, and there are tears and emotions and feelings. And often it's the ones who made the church their home, who poured themselves out, who led the group, the ones who were there. And then there's another handful of seniors. Maybe they were more on the fringes of the group, they spent more time elsewhere, or maybe they were just quiet or awkward, and their line is more of a trickle. Some youth who knew them, but mostly adults trying to make sure they don't feel left out. The ceremony can be 30 minutes long, and those seniors spend a lot of that time staring sideways at the favored ones. If you're a favorite, you may not notice. If you aren't, you'll know. And what makes that so painful is what is being said by not being seen. A psychologist once put it like this, no more, punish, no more painful punishment could be thought of were such a thing even physically possible than being turned loose in society only to remain absolutely unnoticed by everybody. If no one turned around when we entered, answered when we spoke, or minded what we did, but acted as if we were non-existent things, the phrase he coins to describe that feeling is cut dead. The Bible comes down hard on favoritism, and you see why. Because as a church, we interact with each other in God's name. When we treat some people as valuable and others as invisible, we do so in God's name. And when we don't see people, we cut them dead in God's name. God has no room for favoritism. But what does not having favorites even mean? I think a gut reaction is to make things fair, right? Make it all equal, the same. Every kid gets a cookie. Every kid gets a cupcake. Every senior gets their feet washed by everyone. Fair, even, equal. Okay, last turn of the sermon, but it's a mess, which is good, because discomfort is an opportunity for growth, and this at least made us uncomfortable as we looked at it. So bear with me. In the end, only one of the brothers gets a birthright. If you don't know the story... Jacob tricks Esau into trading him his inheritance, his entire inheritance from God, for a cup of stew, because Esau was hungry. Jacob gets the blessing. Esau gets stew. 
The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Esau's name, not part of the list. Chew on that for a second. Seriously. That is not fair. One son gets it. The other gets to watch. Not fair. Here's the secret. Fair. Fair is a distraction. Fair will only ever mess you up. Life is not fair. From the moment you're born, your parents, where you happen to be born, if and where you'll go to school, will determine huge, huge parts of your life. And we know this. Life is simply not fair. If you were born in Guatemala instead of here, you're looking at a minimum wage of $1.58 an hour. Say what you want. That is simply not fair. Fair can't be the point. You can't let it be because life is not fair. That's just what it is. And as long as you're looking for fair, you won't go anywhere. As long as you're waiting for fair, you'll never be free. They get those grades without even studying. Not fair. Their metabolism didn't get the memo that it should slow down when they hit 30 or 40, whatever. Not fair. Jacob and Esau, their parents, never treat them right. Never. Not fair. Life just isn't. And it never will be. As long as you, you personally, are looking for things to be fair, you'll be the one who ends up embittered. You'll be the one consumed by the unfairness because the unfairness is not going anywhere. God's not fair. One son gets the blessing, but God does not. God does not choose favorites and doesn't allow us to either. Instead, God calls us to justice. And if you look over the list of Bible passages on favorites, and you don't have to because I have, they're always, seriously always, about justice. Judge the leaders of the church with justice. Judge believers with justice. Judge unbelievers with justice. Judge people's needs with justice. Favorites gets in the way of justice, so favorites has to go. The thing about justice is it's harder than fair. It's not one for you, so one for you. Justice requires watching, watching carefully to see what's right. It requires seeing people. Justice makes some people uncomfortable because their wrong deeds come to light. But justice means people are watched, which means no one feels cut dead because no one is left unseen. Two verses, two verses, they paint a picture of two children, one left cut dead by each of their parents. Unseen, not favored. And as long as Jacob and Esau keep looking for fairness, they'll never be free. Because fair is not the point. It can't be. Because looking for fairness will only, only ever leave you bitter. But working for justice, you cease to be the victim, the one who isn't seen. When you work for justice, you become an agent of change. You become the one who sees. You become the one who sees. Let us pray. God, we acknowledge that not having favorites isn't easy, but we seek to follow you in judging one another with justice. Lord, give us eyes to see, soften our hearts, and give us wisdom that in the ways that we treat one another, we might always imitate you. We pray this in the precious name of your Son. Amen.